0: Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. We are in a series called The King Has Come, and we're taking a look at the coming of Jesus Christ, the Savior. And last week, we talked about uh, John the Baptist, the one that came to herald him. We talked about uh, uh, the uh, Simeon and Anna and the, the shepherds, but today... I want to talk about the wise men and I want to talk about King Herod. It's a very contentious part of the story, but it's so meaningful. And the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 2, uh, verse 1 through 2. It says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Um, and they, they asked this question. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now this kicked off chaos in the city of Jerusalem, and we're going to examine what that looks like in a moment. But today, I want to talk to you about how the birth of Christ, how it moves us from the darkness of death to the light of life. It moves us from the darkness of death, the world, and all the former things into the light of life, into eternity, and into brand new things. And the narrative of the nativity is all about contrast. In fact, most of the Bible is all about contrast. But we see it exemplified here, where a good God chooses not to leave his children without any hope. He has heard their cry, and he has prepared For thousands of years, an answer for the cry of help, the answer for the cry of salvation. Like we see that God sends Moses to the Israelite children. Now he sends a true and better Moses to his children to pull them out of a land of tyranny and darkness and slavery, the land called sin. And so what he does is he sends a sign, a sign, a cosmic event, for he's a cosmic creator. He doesn't start small and the story is not small. He's big and it starts big. So he, he writes his message in the stars, so to speak. You've heard it. It's written in the stars as if by the hand of God. It's set. It's complete. It's determined. He writes in the stars a sign that one is to come. And this one that is to come is part of his plan. And what is God doing? He's fulfilling what the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the people who are dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death on them a light has dawned. Let's start with the star. On them, a light has dawned. The star is a picture of the journey out of darkness. You can turn me down just a little bit. The star is a picture of the journey out of darkness. The Magi see the star and they come to Jerusalem by way of the star and they say this to everyone, they, they say this phrase, For we saw his star when it rose. And we have come to worship him. We have seen the sign. They saw the star because they were searching the heavens. It's as simple as that. They saw the star because they were searching for salvation. For thousands of years, humanity has looked into the stars and contemplated the origin of their existence. And here we had these astronomers, ones that would study the stars for their meaning. And, and obviously, it wasn't useless. They were skilled enough in their craft to find the star, to discern its meaning, and to get really close to its proper place. And so they, they got to Jerusalem because they were searching. And I think, I, I, I think this is an important aspect of the story. So as to say, you will never find light if you don't begin to search for it. You'll never find salvation unless you search for it. You'll never find God unless you search for him. You have got to open yourself wider than just the small. You've got to look upwards, not just inwards. You've got to get out of the house. You've got to turn off the TV. You've got to go bigger to find a God in all of his design. And so the enemy always wants to keep you caught up in the little things of life. But sometimes your mind has to comprehend the big questions. Why am I here? And what, 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 what am I here for? And where are we headed? And is there a greater picture? And the creator sends a star to say yes. Yes, there's a greater picture. And the ones who are searching, they see it. The ones who aren't, they miss it. The ones that want God get real close. And the ones that are passive, they miss their moment. And the truth is you'll never see God if you don't search for him. You'll never find truth. If you don't search for it, it's easy to avoid truth because truth is so painful. So it's easy to avoid truth. It's easy to gather around a bunch of yes men and, and, and positive liars in your life, and never hear something you never never hear something you don't want to hear, and never be challenged, and never never have to reflect, never have to apologize, or say I'm sorry because you hurt someone and they let you know and that truth happened and now there has to be this process. It's easy to avoid all of that. Stay shallow, stay inward, stay secular, to not not go deeper in life. But these men, they're wise. And part of the wisdom, part of the, the adage of wise men is that those who search for God are wise. Those who desire truth, that's who the Bible says, they're the ones that get the description of wisdom on their life because they've been looking for it. And the question I would have for us today is do we want it? Do we want truth? Do we want wisdom? Do we want God? If we want Him, I would challenge you, you're gonna to have to search for Him. You're gonna to have to journey towards Him. You're gonna to have to go through some difficult things and maybe not everyone will make the journey with you. Of all the nations, only these ambassadors came. Of all the people, only these few are the ones that showed up in the right place in the right time. The Bible says that the road to salvation is narrow. And few find it, but it is findable. And you can be one of the few. But you're going to have to not be like the many. You might have to separate yourself from the crowd of culture or or your family of origin. The peers around you, if you're going to find God, you are going to have to search for him. And more than that, you're going to you're gonna have to follow the light towards the source of the light. This is what they did. They followed the star, but they weren't just searching for the star. They were searching for the source of the star. They weren't just searching for the light, the good things, the illumination, the enlightenment. They wanted the source of the light. I think good is good, but good is not God. We want God. We want the source. And so, so they came towards the source of the light. And, and this must have been a difficult thing, certainly a long journey. And the whole time, no GPS, no, no, no technology. And, and I, they might not have even had maps like we would have currently with the typo- topography and clean roads and, you know, uh, very safe. No, this was a, a perilous journey. And one where they, they had to go by, by something so many miles away, you know, and orient themselves by looking upwards. You know, when they would build towns uh, in America, uh, when, when, when the nation was being established, they built the church first, wow. and they built the church highest. Wow. And around here in New England, we have plenty of stunningly old and beautiful churches that have been around for uh, as long as the nation, sometimes longer than the nation's been around, these beautiful churches. And, and they had these large steeples. And before... Um, before the inventions of sky, skyscrapers, the, the tallest things in any city, in any town around the nation was the church. And it was, it was a picture the, of the cross reigning supreme at the center of the town, bringing families, bringing community. But, but if, you were ever, if you were ever to come to a town, if you were ever to get lost, if you were ever to be in a new place, you could find your way by the church. You could orient yourself by the steeple. And if you ever wanted to get to that church, no matter where you were in the city, no matter what state you were in that city, you were able to get to the church, but you had to orient yourself by looking upwards. It's a beautiful picture of what the Christian life is all about. It's what the, it's what the magi were doing. They were orienting themselves by looking upwards. It's what... It's what our forefathers did, and it's what we're called to do, not determine who we are by our, our inner self or, or those around us on eye level, but to look higher, yes. to search for the cross, yes. to look towards the steeple, to come to the people of God in the place of God in order to find who we are, and in order to find whose we are. Amen. So there's a higher ideal, and the higher ideal is for us to walk out of darkness and 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 i want you to know walking out of darkness it's a journey it's a process these magi set up set off from a long way off and they came to find the source and it was a process in fact in all of that in all of their study they still didn't get to the source they just got close to the source and they needed help they needed help to find their way walking out of darkness is a process And I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're not there yet, but you're walking out of darkness, there are examples in the Bible that you could follow that say you're on the right path. It might have taken these Magi years to get to Jesus, years to get out of a land of darkness. They weren't Jewish. They were Gentiles. They weren't in Israel. They most likely were from Babylon. They were coming out of a dark country coming out of a darkened mind, coming out of a darkened religion, but they were headed in the right direction. And the truth is, if you're headed toward Jesus, you are headed towards the light. And you have to hold on to that truth and move towards that truth, even if you're not fully out of darkness yet. And, and you're going to deal with dark things in life, and you're going to have dark things that maybe you were born into or, or things that got on you when you were a young person. You never thought that that one bottle would make you an alcoholic. You never not thought that that one substance would make you an abuser. You never thought that that one relationship would wrap up your life and fill it with brokenness. But but it happened, and, and you're you're caught in darkness, but the good news is there is a light and that light is set to create a contrast that you do not have to live or dwell in the land of darkness, but you can walk towards Jesus and every step towards Jesus is a step away from darkness. The truth is darkness does not have the final say. It does not have to have the final hold, but the journey of coming towards Jesus can be the journey of coming towards freedom, coming towards health, coming out of brokenness, coming into a new place. Peter tells us this. He says, but you are a chosen people. You're not just anybody. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Make no mistake, that light is put there to call you out of darkness. Like God came to Abraham and says, get up and get out of this place. So he comes to you and says, if there is an area of your life where you have gotten settled with darkness and say, this is what it will always be, I want you to know you are chosen, you are royal, you are holy, you are God's, and you are called to come out of that place. This is what Christmas is about. This is why it's still radical. Right. This is why it's still necessary because I, I see it every Sunday and people come up and tell me I'm in a dark place. I'm in a broken place. And maybe you're watching, you say, that's where I'm at. But, but just because that's where you're at does not mean that's where you always will be. Yeah. Certainly doesn't mean that's where you're called to be. Right. Christ is the light and every step towards the light is a step out of darkness. Jesus says it himself. Jesus says this. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He renews our mind. He renews our spirit. All of a sudden you have life again in your thoughts. All of a sudden you can have life again in your relationships. You can have life again. Why? Because this is why Jesus came. And if if you would just think about it with me, and and I know I'm speaking I'm speaking long on this part of the story, but I've just got a little bit more uh, to go through. I, but I just, I want to center on this because to me, it's such a picture of salvation the, the, these, that these magi are looking at the stars and where there was always blackness, wow. where there was always blackness in all of their study, one day there is now light. Right. Wow. And, and now that light, if you would follow it, it's not just a contrast against darkness. There's more to it. Because eventually that light, if you follow it long enough, it leads to a person. And that person says, I am, I am the light. And it's so true of life, is that where you thought maybe there'll only be darkness, if you will stay faithful long enough and look hard enough and search deep enough, you might see the light of truth. And if you would follow that, you will meet a person, not an ideology, not a set of values. You'll not find a preacher or a teacher, you will find a person. You will not just find pews and you'll not just find churches and you'll not just find elders, you'll find a person you not find a nation. You'll not find a continent. You'll find a person. And that person is Jesus. Where there was darkness, now there is light. And Jesus is salvation. And the journey of Jesus is the journey out of darkness. The Bible says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. So I just I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. The wise men were able to walk their way out of darkness, following light into the presence of Jesus, so you can as well. And maybe I just challenge you, maybe you need to pray this prayer. Lord, enlighten my mind. Lord, bring light to my direction. Make no mistake, if you pray that prayer, he will answer it. He's answered it for all of humanity, and he'll answer it for you. The Magi are people that exemplify faith. Though they are unlikely figures, they're not Jews, they're not from Israel, but they were searching for the source of the star and they came to Jerusalem. And they they began to ask around, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And they explained, we saw his star. We've been searching. They would have have spoken like this as if everyone was also aware that everyone else was on, on, on the same zone. In fact, they would have asked... They're the Jews. Who's the king? They're they're expecting to show up and find someone that's already been found. But that's not what happens. The problem is there's trouble. And I want you to know, people of faith, wherever faith goes, I got to tell you, it stirs up trouble. Faith always stirs up trouble. Look at Elijah, look at Elisha, look at David. It's always, it always serves, it's not even that you're looking for it because these guys don't even know it's about to stir up trouble. They're just people of faith, but uh uh-oh, they've interrupted the status quo. Uh Uh-oh, they've stepped into some things they don't understand the ramifications. In fact, even the phrasing of their questions, they have no idea what bomb they're about to set off. They say, where's he who has been born king? They don't even know, born king? Uh Uh-oh, because see, Herod wasn't born king. He was made king. And, 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 and more than that, they're asking as if everyone already knows, but all the religious leaders are saying, what are you talking about? And so their faith and their following begins to shake up and expose the passivity of the religious leaders around them. And it begins to undermine and expose the, huh, how do I say this? the false authority that Herod was operating in. But the Bible says all the people were troubled too. But the the reason the people were troubled is different than the reason Herod was troubled. Herod was troubled because someone's coming for his throne. The people were troubled because their only king was Herod and he doesn't deserve the throne. And if there's someone else, why do we still have this guy? It shook things up. When Jesus came, he upended the social order. He changed the whole, whole nation. And we see all of Jerusalem shocked, shocked at what the Magi are asking about because faith always stirs up a little bit of trouble. And so King Herod gathers all of the religious leaders together and he asks them, uh, where is, where's, where's the one that's the Messiah? Where is he supposed to be born? And they answer him because they know. They've been studying this. See, they've been studying, but they haven't been searching. And I don't have time to get into all of that, but you could be the smartest people in the world and still miss God. Study all the texts. You could know all the words. You could know all the verses. I hate to say you could even be in church. You could be in the city of Jerusalem and still miss God. You could be in the right place at the right time and still miss God. They got the answer. Where is he? They say he's in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem of Judea. For it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. So they knew. He said, from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. They knew, they knew where the Messiah was supposed to be born. And now because of the Magi, they know the timing. So they know the, they know the place. And they know the time. And then the Magi, the Magi move on, the the wise men, they move on towards Bethlehem. But here's an interesting thing. Why Why don't the leaders, the religious leaders, go with them? Have you ever thought about that? Why don't they just go with them? Do you know that Bethlehem is six miles away from Jerusalem? Six miles. When we were there, Our driver said, do you want to stop by Bethlehem? And you know, in my mind, it's all thousands of miles away. And so I was like, "Uh, is it far? He's like, no, it's right down the street. (laughs) And we're like, all right. And he's like, pulls left. And then we're at Bethlehem, just like (laughs) one street. They could have made the journey in a couple of hours. But dead religion always leads to passivity. Dead religion always leads to inaction. Dead religion doesn't wake up your life. Does, dead religion never will bring you to the real king. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't go to the Messiah because they were passive in their response. Dead religion knows where God is, but won't go to him. And based on that definition, there are a lot of people who are struggling or caught in, living in just dead religion. Maybe they're good people, but their concerns are unwise. They know what truth is, but they're more concerned with wealth. They know where God is, but they're more concerned with self. They know where Christ is, but they're more concerned with culture. Dead religion knows where God is, but won't go to him. Six miles away. Look at the Magi. They might have traveled anywhere from 500 to 1,000 miles. It took anywhere from months to years just to get to Jerusalem. If they did come from Babylon, they would have crossed two deserts, a mountain range, multiple rivers. They would have had to come in danger with the caravan. All of this to get down the street. And the people who have been waiting for thousands of years say, let me know. Let me know when you get there. We'll see, you know, we'll see if it's real. We'll let you find out for us. What is it? Is it spiritual pride? Because you're not the one that discovered, you're not engaging. Is it passivity? Is it lethargy? I don't have an answer. All I know is I don't want it to be me. I don't want it to be me. If the presence is there, I want to search out the presence. If the presence is there, I want to pursue it. I want to be close to Jesus. I want to be close to Jesus' people. I want to be near the light. All I can tell you is I want to be like those that are insatiable in their hunger for God. I don't want to just have a head knowledge. I want to have a heart experience. And I want you to know, I want you to know there's so much more to knowing Jesus than just going to church or just being there once or twice a year. Or just knowing a couple scriptures, being able to quote John 3.16, there's so much more to it. And if you would pursue Jesus, you will always find him. It will change your life. We see that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they missed it. They missed it at the beginning, then they missed it all the way through. And in the end, do you remember what they were shouting at the end when they were crucifying Jesus? They said, we have no king but Caesar. Well, that started right here. Where's the one that's been born the king? The answer was, we don't know, we don't care. And so in the end, they had to declare a false ruler over themselves. But we're here to say, we have no king but Jesus. We have no king but Jesus. We have no hope but Jesus. He is our everything. He is our all. He is what our mind is turned towards. We want our kids to know Jesus. We want our spouse to know Jesus. We want our home to have the spirit of Jesus on it. And if it has the spirit of Jesus on it, it cannot also have the spirit of sickness on it. If your home has the spirit of Jesus on it, your home cannot also have the spirit of anger, violence or divorce on it. If your home has the spirit of Jesus on it, it cannot have any strange, weird, demonic spirits on it. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. So for me, I want, to, I want to add action to my faith. I want to add passion to my pursuit. I want to be close to Jesus. And that's the Magi. And they come, they come, and they come close to him. And I, I just want to challenge you. If today you've been far away, you're real close to Jesus, maybe closer than you even think you are. Take the journey with the Magi to the foot of Jesus bow before him and I'm telling you he accepts you, he'll enlighten you he'll, he'll, he'll change you in one moment the simplest prayer God hears and God answers Amen. but before we move on and we find baby Jesus, before we move to where he's located in, in Bethlehem, there's one more character in this story and it's King Herod he's known as Herod the Great Herod the Great because of all of the, the works that he did, not because he was a great man He was a horrific man. He did a lot of architectural works, but he was a broken and and, um, evil man. In fact, one of the Caesars said, I would rather be Herod's pig than his son because it was that dangerous to be around Herod. He was a brutal man. He was a violent man. And when when the Magi show up, they say the worst possible thing for the ears of Herod. Where is the one who's been born king. And now Herod has a conflict. He has a conflict of interest. You know, many, many times people w- would ask, you know, why is it that Herod tried to kill Jesus? I, I want to I answer that question for you today and tell you why. He tried to kill Jesus because he saw him as a threat. And he's very consistent that anyone he sees as a threat, he kills, including his own sons. Anyone that would try and take his crown, And so, so, so when they, when the, when the wise men show up, speaking of another king, all of a sudden Herod is shook. And the worst part is they say born king because Herod was not born king. He was made king and he was made king by Rome, which is the actual authority. So Herod is called king, but he's really a client king. He's a puppet king. He's a mouthpiece king. Rome could have switched him out 30, 40 times. It wouldn't have mattered. He has no real authority. It's false. It's fake. The only authority this guy really has is if he can kind of keep everybody in line. If he can keep everybody in line, Rome will let him live in his palaces. But if he can't, he's gone. And he knows this. In fact, he even knows that his own people don't really like him. Not born king, he's not even fully Jewish. He's Idumean, which means he's of the lineage of Esau. Wow. But someone's been born king. That's the, of the lineage of Jacob, of the lineage of David. And so no wonder Herod shook because the true king has come. The righteous one has come. The one that will not rule out of fear or violence or death. But the one that rules the minds of men, the hearts of men and women, that will rule because we willingly give our lives to him because he's worthy of our adoration. The one that is to come is the true king. Not like Esau, not like Herod, and not like Rome. Do you remember when Jesus was talking to Pilate? And Pilate says, Don't you know I have the authority to kill you? And Jesus says, You have absolutely no authority. Over me, except the authority that God has allowed you to have. You can do what I say you can do. Herod could never say this. Only one with true authority could say this. Herod could never say this, but Jesus came with sword and scepter and true authority because he was born king. Herod is a picture of the God of this world who has no authority. He is not a rightful king. Yeah. Bible talks about Satan, the ruler of this world. His authority was defeated by Jesus on the cross. Yeah. O oh, death, where is your sting? Like Esau through his sin gave away his birthright, so Lucifer, through his sin, gave away his birthright, and he has no authority. I want you to please hear me. The devil has no authority over the life of the Christian. He's a false king. Right. But Jesus was born king. That's right. <laughs> So he has final authority over our lives. The Bible says of Jesus that he rules and he reigns in eternity and that he is coming back on a white horse. And when he came first as a child, easy to overlook, this next time when he comes, it will be a cosmic event and no one could ever overlook. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. That Jesus is Lord, for he has the authority. Amen. So, so what am I saying? I'm saying this, that Jesus came to expose some things. Yeah. He came to change some things. It's a study in contrast. It should have been the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were looking for the Messiah, but it wasn't. It was the Gentiles, people like you and me, that got the chance. Should have been those that were close to Jesus, but it wasn't. God calls the whole world from a far off land, you know? The Bible says that, that, that he came to his own, yet his own knew him not. That the light came to those dwelling in darkness, but they were satisfied with darkness. But Jesus opens it up and he says, if you're not satisfied with darkness, I'm, I'm here. If you're unsatisfied, living under this false authority and this wicked king, I'm here. If you're unsatisfied with this fake religiosity, I'm here. The king has come. And so Jesus is in the home. And the Bible says this, that the Magi, they journey alone those six miles. And they come and they find Mary and Joseph in the house. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and they worshiped him. Going into the house. At this time, by this part, they have a home. There's room. And I just, I just find it interesting that Jesus was in the house. Yeah. It just struck me. I think you can meet Jesus anywhere. Yeah, right. Paul met him on the road to Damascus when he was going to persecute Jesus. Yeah. You know, Matthew met him by the seashore as he was collecting money from his own people and, and robbing from them. The thief on the cross met him in the final moments of his life. I think you can meet Jesus anywhere. I think you can meet him at any point in your life. But I think there's something to the fact that when you come to the house, you'll always meet Jesus. When you come to the church, the presence of Jesus is always there. It's a place where you can come to be set free, to be renewed, to honor God. Jesus is always found in the house. I thank God for the church. I thank God for the church. I thank God for the people. I thank God that the door to the church is always open and that Jesus himself opened it and no man may shut it. The door to the church is always open. And when you come to the church, you'll find the presence of Jesus and the presence of Jesus releases you from fear. The presence of Jesus Bring salvation to your heart and your mind and your spirit. Yes. Jesus is in the house. Jesus. And Jesus in his presence can come into your house. And the Magi fell and they worship him. And the Bible says, Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, which represents kingship, and frankincense, which represents deity, and myrrh, which represents death. These were gifts of high cost that they laid down, before the king. It reminds me of David when he says, I will not bring to God that which cost me nothing. When they came, they were ready to lay down something. Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow me, they have to lay down their old life. You can't hold on to the darkness and walk into the light. You can't hold on to the old country and walk into the new country. You can't be under the authority of the old king and bow before the new king. And so these wise men, they laid their treasures down before Jesus. And the Bible says this, it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's not the treasure that saved them. It was the fact that they were laying their treasures before Jesus, but it was really about their heart. And they were worshiping Jesus. And you know what I've never heard anyone really say, but it just struck me. They were from the far East, far away from Israel. And when they left, they went back to their home. They went back as Christ's followers, from this moment, the gospel begins to spread. Another wave is to come. And Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. But these men, they did not go. They did not leave unbelievers. They left worshipers. From the very minute of Jesus coming, the gospel was meant for all. And so... I would invite you into this moment to lay down not just your burdens, but your best, your treasures, things that you love. Will you lay it down before Jesus? Will you give your heart to Jesus first? When you do that, you will receive light and life. And I do believe there will be blessings. I do believe that God is a very, very good God. But I think it's right that the true king knows who his subjects are. When we come before Jesus, we say, Jesus, we're citizens of the new kingdom. We leave the old behind. No longer are we under the rule and reign of Herod, but we're under the rule and reign of Jesus. The birth of Christ moves us from darkness of death to light of life. Today, that light can be yours. And I don't just mean in salvation. I mean in in your life. You might even be a follower of Jesus, but today I want to encourage you to take another step towards that light. Get some people around you that are moving towards that light. Darkness is not our portion. It is not our destiny. And we are not under its dominion. We are here to lay down our very best before God and receive his very best. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global.com. We'll see you soon.